Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,296. If you're going to do something, do it. Be the best you can and take the chance and do it. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special returning guest here on Cars Yeah, calling in from Los Angeles, California, Tim Considine. Hey, Tim, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I'm buckled up. I'm always buckled up. <laughs> yes, you are. Tim Considine is the author of the book Twice Around the Clock, The Yanks at Le Mans, a huge, multi-volume, unapologetically chauvinistic personal history of over 320 American drivers and the American cars that have participated in the epic 24-hour of Le Mans. His book is a frank, sometimes blunt, personal account that makes history human, and these volumes are very, very unique. Each of these three books is close to 120,000 words in length and approximately 300 black and white and color images, all from around the world, dispersed throughout the book, many never seen before. It's the culmination of Tim's research and interviews conducted over the last 26 plus years and written over the last six years. He covers from 1923 through 1979. And for those of you who remember back, Tim was a guest of mine back in June of 2015. And you may know him from his time way back on television as the original Mickey Mouse Club, Shaggy Dog, My Three Sons, and many, many more. His son, by the way, Chris, is the CEO of CXC Simulations, and he's been a guest here on Cars Yeah as well. So, Tim, before we jump into the questions, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment, share a little bit more about your life and a very obvious passion for racing and automobiles? Well, I'm a California guy, so California's car-centric, I mean, is a capital of racing in this country. So naturally, I guess, I I grew up loving cars, and from the time I was much younger than I was supposed to, I was driving cars, racing uh, caught my eye and uh, absolutely captured me. It's probably the reason I don't hear very well these days, but <laughs> that can uh, happen. People of my vintage don't often, but uh, most often people involved with racing and rock music for the same reason, cumulative damage from loud noises. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, I understand. So I, I got into racing when I was very young. I got into, I saw my first race probably when I was, probably when I was 13. I saw wow. midget races. My brother took me to, my older brother took me to, a couple of midget races. Uh, but when I really got hooked was uh, in, let's see, 1955, four and five, I read Road and Track every month, page to cover to cover, you know. And that was your only connect in those days with racing. Now it's all over the internet and it's all over television and, and all that. But back then, if you were a, an enthusiast, you either had to go to the races or you had to read about them a month or so later, once a month, in a few publications. But that's when I started. And, and uh, when I was, I was still working at Disney when I got my first car, an Alfa Romeo Giulietta. And that's a fancy, was a fancy car. 
I told my mom that, hey, you know, I don't have time for what uh, most other kids do. Said I made a case, you know, woe is me, that this, and I got this <laughs> lovely car. And then a friend of mine raced it because I was way too young. And then the second car was a real race car. And that's the car, Mark, uh, when you were up at uh, Pebble Beach, you saw me around uh, this beautiful Oscar, uh, which people don't even know about these days. But that was a wonderful group of Oscars up there. They were a featured mark. And by golly, if we didn't win, we, the, the, the people who own my car now that I had not seen really in its livery, racing livery, uh, since uh, the 1960s, early 60s. Wow. So it was quite a thrill. And and the funny thing is, one of the judges, two of the judges, were Le Mans uh, legends. Uh, <laughs> the guy who's won more races than anyone, and Derek Bell, who's a friend. Uh, they were, there were two sets of judges, and they were in one set of judge judges. And had, so I had somebody to talk to, you know, about Lamont, about the book, and, and all. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, it was really good to run into you. And I, I was standing next to your car when you walked up, and you, I said, Tim, how you doing? And he goes, you know who used to race and own this car, you know? And it was you. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. Well, we're going to learn a lot more about you, and I want to really share a lot more about your book. But the first thing I want to start with is what I ask all my guests. I want to see if your quote or your mantra is the same as it was last time you were on the show here. I always ask my guests for some type of a success quote or something that they kind of live by. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars Yeah. So, Tim, take the wheel. Okay, so I have a couple of mantras. One is uh, from racing. If you're going to be a bear be a grizzly bear. And the translation <laughs> yes. is, if you're going to do something, do it. Be the best you can and take the chance and do it. And I always called Dan Gurney grizzly bear because he was the kind of driver. If he was going to pass you, he was going to pass you. You know, and he didn't make little tentative things. He just did it. And if you live your life that way or try to live your life that way, you pay attention to your instincts and you do what you want to do. You try to do it as hard as you can. That's one that I've tried to do. There are several yeah, I love that quote. <laughs> I love others. that quote. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you, you shared that quote with me last time you were on the show, but let's, let's have you share a couple others because I'm intrigued now to what they may be. Well, one is excess in moderation. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you have to think about that one for a while. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> Anything worth doing is worth overdoing. Yeah. That one has gotten me in problems. Uh, not big ones, but yeah. sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> those are two I can think of. I like them. Uh, yeah, those are great. Well, let me ask you this. This new book of yours, Twice Around the Clock, The Yanks at Le Mans, we're going to get more in depth to it in a minute, but how do you see those quotes having helped you finally get this project done? Because you've been working on this a long time. Yeah, actually, uh, the first interview that I did was uh, last December, December 19th, in fact, 28 years before that, at uh, AAR, at uh, All-American Racing, uh, Dan Gurney's place. Mm -hmm. And um, I had always wanted to give the the uh, first volumes to, it's a three-volume set, this, of seven, intent, you know, we intend to do. Mm -hmm. uh, but this first three volumes, 
he did the foreword for it. Mm. And unfortunately, he never got to see it. He just read it. Yeah. So I gave it. I gave the first volumes to Evie, his his wife, yeah. and the kids, as she calls them, the boys. The boys, yeah. <laughs> uh, Alec and Justin Gurney, who run the business very well now. Mm-hmm. But I I realized the day I was going down there that I was one week short of twenty eight years before when I spent the whole day in Dan's office. And we just went year by year, and he'd tell stories, personal stories mm. about each year, mm. you know. And and uh, that was the prototype for the literally hundreds of interviews I've done in the intervening years, you know. Yeah. Wow, about six and a half years in the in the writing. It's incredible. When you were on my show back in uh, June of 2015, uh, the book was coming along, but you still had some work to do. And I remember saying, "Well, when you get this done, Tim, you call me and." We'll have you back on Cars Yeah and finally share this with the world. And here we are, which I'm very excited about. So I'm still here. You're still here. So that's a good sign uh, that we're still around. I'm excited about that. We're still here. I haven't tipped over yet. Me either, my friend. Me either, my friend. I would say persistence in in the case of of, uh, Mm. the Yanks. Yeah. And uh, over the years, there were many times, particularly in the writing years, six and a half years, when I'm usually writing stories for magazines and, and hosting seminars and stuff, I did very little else. I wrote one story for a magazine in six and a half years. Wow. I just stayed on this. And you can imagine, in six and a half years, once in a while, you think, am I crazy? <laughs> yeah. Are people going to... Think this is as good as I think it is. You know? I, I, yeah, yeah. And what the heck was I thinking? <laughs> well, know? it's a it's a but, labor of passion. I, I I was a grizzly bear, yeah. Yeah. and I had several things that I wanted to accomplish. I wanted to write something that would be useful to people after I have tipped over, mm-hmm. and it be a good read, entertaining, and according to you know, other people now, and uh, we've we've achieved that. Yeah, and that's very satisfying. I mean, when we get awards and stuff like that, it's very satisfying. Boy, after six and a half years in the cave, which is what my <laughs> wife calls my office. Yeah, yeah, that's very satisfying. It must be. It must be. Well, let me ask you this: This was a huge undertaking, a huge challenge, and maybe even you bumped up against some failures along the way. Would you let us know, maybe? And there was probably many, but just one situation that you had to come up against with producing and finishing this project that kind of stopped you in your tracks a little bit. And tell us how you overcame that situation and what enabled you to move forward so you could get it done. Well, there were more problems, honestly, after I finished the book. Really? One of the things was I wanted to do this book that many years. I envisioned what I wanted for the book. and. To, uh, there were a lot of publishers who were really interested in the book, but they all had limits. They all put limits on it. They all said you can only have so many pictures. By the way, you said 300 and some pictures. That's per volume. Per volume, So yeah. there are yeah. 900, 925 pictures, more than you've ever seen in one work, uh, said one of the, the judges for one of the awards. Wow. And uh, I didn't want those limits. They wanted, you know, words, you can only write so many words. Well, so many of the words were quotes that are our quotes that tell us something that we didn't know before. Mm-hmm. And 
I just thought, well, I can't do that. Uh, this book will totally change character. You can edit me. You can cut down my words, but you can't cut down their words. You know, there's obviously you edit some, but if you edit it too much, then you lose who that person is. Exactly. And that's what's unique is that we all know about this book. Uh, we know, I mean, enthusiasts know the history of Le Mans. There are very good books on the history. They're usually written by Europeans, <laughs> but, and this one is just about us. That's one thing that makes it unique. But I like to say, with all the humor that's in the book, and a bit of controversy, and the blunt talk from the drivers and the mechanics and the team owners and uh, that I talk to, that this book brings humanity and a fair bit of profanity to history. Mm. <laughs> because when people speak, you know, yes, bluntly, it's real deal. And and I left that in, you know, it, that, because that's part of who they are and, and how they talk. So I left that in. But that meant that you said, how did you overcome that? We did it ourselves. We made a, we, we actually produced it and published it. We created a company to publish it and raised money as a gift to history. And that's the way we got it done. We just did. You just did it. Well, is there a favorite part of the book when you got into your research in writing that was really, really fun for you that really stands out? my favorite. It's on my desktop. Hold on, because I don't want to misquote it. This was from a guy in San Francisco. He's a dentist, and he was a dentist, and he had some experience. Pardon my voice. I've had laryngitis. He's had, he had some experience as a, as a driver in uh, IMSA and, uh, and racing on, on the coast, but Le Mans was a, that's, that's the highest level of sports car racing. And he bought himself a ride in one of Dick Barber's Porsches, 935 Porsches. Mm. 935 was a very fast 200-mile-an-hour car that was loosely based on the 911 Porsche, but it was a very difficult car to drive. Mm -hmm. And the year he drove, there were these huge rains. I, I'm going to say it's 1979. My scholarship is way better than my memory. <laughs> <laughs> he said, uh, in the middle of this race, he's in this very fast car, very difficult to drive, on a very fast track. And he says, I remember going down the Mulsan with the one wiper going and lightning going off down at the end of the Mulsan. I said to myself... Dear Mother Mary, if I get killed here, that's it. Yeah. And he says, I can't help it. I really love it here. It's magnificent. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Edwin Abate, and I may be pronouncing yeah. his name wrong. Wow. But it was my favorite quote in the whole book because it summed up the danger, the adventure, uh, the speed, and it was magnificent. It was, it's, there's, there is a particular mystery and, uh, uh, air of mystery and, and, uh, excitement about certain races in history, the Mille Media, certainly. Yes. You know, and, and, uh, the Indianapolis 500, certainly. But other than the Indianapolis 500, which is an open wheel race, there are 
no races uh, at the level of the 24 hours of Lomau. Yeah. It stands alone, and uh, and it, and that gives it a, a kind of mystery and a, a a kind of excitement that is not present anywhere else. And and so often when people who've never driven there first drive there, it's really impressive mm. and really different. And yes, they experience the possibility of danger and death. But it's also so exciting. Yes. And the event with 250,000 people for 24 hours, you know, they're, they're with, they have co-drivers, but getting in and out of a car, I mean, it's like nothing else in the world, getting in and out of a car on a fast race course. I mean, they went over 200 miles an hour for hours at a time. It makes the... Uh, Indianapolis 500, which is a an endurance race for sure, oh, like uh, Reader's Digest. Yeah, I mean, it's, part, it's yeah. a <laughs> tiny part of a 24-hour race, you know. Absolutely. And the speeds are incredible. Um, it's amazing. Is there a so, – yeah, let me ask you this. Is there a, a driver that stood out for you after writing this book and doing research that really stood out and kind of surprised you, what you learned about that particular driver? I love that it was a lot of surprises, and that's the fun for a writer, you know. Some of the quotes are controversial. Some of the insights are really interesting. You know about an event, but this is someone who was either in the event or right behind or right beside the event, you know, a tremendous event that we read about. But this is a, this is a personal point of view. And so there were surprises all the way through. Uh, do I have favorites? Of course I have favorites. Uh, favorites were my guys, uh, Phil Hill, who gave me hours over the years. Dan Gurney, my hero, is another one of my heroes, also gave me hours and was the first and did the, ended up eight years later doing the forward. Well, that's not true. He actually did the forward before, but there were so many stumbling blocks trying to get this book off the ground Mm -hmm. and uh, people not delivering what they promised and so many delays and, and all that. But so Dan, unfortunately, never got to see it. And when you see it, it's it's different. It's, it's daunting. It's, it's, the, uh, <laughs> it's as it's daunting. It's as daunting as Lamont. Is there is there anything that you wish you'd done differently with the book? Hmm. I know after all this no. is probably a bad question, but you know everybody finishes. Oh, it's, it's, a, no, honestly, it's a good <laughs> question, but not really. Mm-hmm. You know, I wish different things had happened. I wish different circumstances had happened. But I'm very pleased with it. I I think. I think I accomplished the main things that I wanted to do to make this beautiful book unique because it's a sad thing, but since I started this book, 37 of the people that I interviewed have tipped over. Yeah. Are no longer on this earth. Yeah. You know, so there'll never, there'll never be another opportunity to hear from them, their voices. Mm-hmm. There's only one survivor of volume one who happens to be a great friend. I saw him two days ago. Wow. uh, Bruce Kessler, uh, who had a horrendous accident at Le Mans. 
that he tells about, but he tells it in a very funny way. Uh, I mean, it's one of the things that all the reviewers and judges talk about is his story. But there are a lot of, I mean, there's so many stories that you've never heard before. You may know the history of it, but you've never heard about it before. I learned so much. One of the things that I love, a compliment that I love, is when some reader comes to me and said, I never knew that. And quite often, I say back to them, neither did I. Isn't that great? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I don't write as a pundit. I write as a fan, as an enthusiast. And so, and I put down the things I write, the things that interested or surprised or delighted uh, me, you know, and hope that other people enjoy the same things. Well, so far, people seem to like this. Three of the, we got a wonderful couple of awards from the Motor Press Guild. We got the best book of the year. It's only one. And we got their highest honor, the Dean Bachelor Award, and it's for excellence in journalism. So, wow, you know, the, oh, that's, yeah. that's the best. Huge. So, uh, three of the four judges bought the book afterwards. Nice. And I considered that a tremendous compliment. Yes. So, you know, I have I have accomplished one of the things, which is to write something unique that. And and the other thing is that it there are such comprehensive records in it that it will stand and be of use long after I've left the earth. Absolutely, which is good. You know, I want to be remembered for this. I'm very fortunate in my youth that, through no fault of my own, I was associated with television shows that were really really popular and all, but. This is now, you know, uh, 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 that was when I was in school. And the thread that's interesting, I think, is that that's when I became interested. The guy was Spin and Marty, the first thing that that was uh, a huge hit in the iconic Mickey Mouse Club. Dave Stollery, who was Marty, we're still great friends. He was a designer. He wanted to design cars. And I thought, I probably told you this the last time we talked, but I thought with the way his parents, particularly his mom, pushed him into acting, that there was no way he was going to be anything but an actor. Well, by golly, he he stopped and went into uh, the art center. He became one of the star pupils of the art center. Uh, He designed the 1978 Toyota Celica. He was the first director of the first design studio in California. He did a painting of my race car when we were kids, when we were in our teens. Oh, cool. And uh, there's a thread that goes from, you know, from the days of, I mean, I had my first race car. I was still working for Disney. That thread continues, but this is not something I did in high school. Yeah. (laughs) You know, this is something I've done for the last 28 years. Just a little bit later, most obviously. Well, Tim, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Hey, fellow automotive enthusiasts, you know I'm a huge fan of Covercraft. I've protected my vehicles with their products since 1975. That's right. 
all the way back to my high school days. Want to keep your vehicle's exterior and interior looking new? It's easy with a Covercraft car cover. A car cover is the best way to keep your vehicle looking great for years to come. Car covers protect your paint from fallout, birds, dust, rain, insects, and pollen. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. I use my Covercraft car covers every single day. Right now, you can get 10% off all Covercraft custom car covers or their ready-fit car covers. Plus, they offer you over 15 quality fabrics to choose from. Their spring sale is from April 15th through June 16th, 2019. Order direct at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark at Cars Yeah sent you. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com. That's Covercraft.com. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. Hey, Mark Green here from the Cars Yeah podcast. Did you know you can now see me on the Cars Yeah TV show? That's right. Cars Yeah is now on MAV TV. I visit some of the past Cars Yeah guests and take you along for the ride. Go to MavTV.com to learn more where you can enjoy Cars Yeah TV. MAV TV is also available on DirecTV, FuboTV, Fios by Verizon, or you can stream it through MavTV.com online. And they said I only had a face for podcasting. All right, Tim, uh, I always lead this next part of our talk with a very introspective question. If you were to go back in time and race a car at Le Mans, back in the day that you're writing about this period, what car would you drive? Wow. There are so many, I mean, that are really interesting to me. The most awesome cars, one of the most awesome cars ever, was the Porsche 917. Yeah. I mean, those are the cars that uh, when the roads were still narrow and they didn't have the chicanes, which pronounced chickens, uh, <laughs> before they had the chickens, you were three and a half minutes on a straight line. It was the fastest uh, road, you know, public road. Yeah. Two lanes, crowned, think of 230, 240 miles an hour. Hard to imagine. Um, it is just unbelievable. I have to share one little anecdote. That's one of my favorites. Sam Posey was the best of the rest. He was in the Ferrari 512, and the and the 917s were one, two, three, or or, or I, one of them was anyway. And there were there were three Porsches. I can't remember where they were. All 917s. The 917s, he said, were a little bit faster. He said, maybe, you know, maybe three or four miles an hour. But if you're standing still and a car goes by you at three or four miles an hour, you imagine that at 230 miles right. an hour. Yeah. You know, and, and it's quite something. He said one time he, he looked in his mirrors and he saw Peter Rodriguez in a 917. And sure enough, he was going to, he was coming and coming and coming. And when he went by, they're both flat out. I mean, you talk about pedal to the metal. Yeah. And he said, Pedro's hands were a blur, back and forth, trying to keep this thing in a straight line. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Wow. 
well, incredible. That's a, and he was just, you know, like their feet apart. To have an experience like that, you know, at 230 miles an hour, to have a personal uh, story, anecdote like that, wow, I never thought about that, <laughs> you know, and, and that's what the book is. It's just anecdotes all the way through, yeah, you know. very cool. Well, I'm going to fire off a series of questions here for you, Tim, and ask you to give our listeners some quick blips of that 917 throttle, since that's the car you're going to go back in time and race here. What's the best automotive book writing advice you've ever received? Received? Oh, I thought you were going to say given. No. Yeah, I knew that. I don't want to make it too easy for you today. I'll tell you one funny one. Okay. Uh, Was uh, from John Lamb who was a, a wonderful writer and was a great photographer for Road and Track for years when Road and Track was out here and really Road and Track. He looked at something I wrote one time and he said, too many exclamation points. <laughs> I looked at him and he said, my dad told me, he said, if, if you're using an exclamation point, it's usually because you can't think of a way to write it. Mm get the same feeling, you sort of cheat with an exclamation point. Yes. So there are very few exclamation points, <laughs> unless somebody is quoting somebody or something like that. But that was a funny lesson that I have, you know, I have learned from, and boy, I've adhered to it. I like that. <laughs> I like that a lot. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your ability to finally get this project completed? Stubborn. <laughs> I knew that was going to be the answer. I mean, anybody that works on something for 26 years and then writes for six, it doesn't give up. A lot of tenacity, a lot of persistence, a lot of stubbornness, a lot of grizzly bear in there, right? Yeah, and interest. Yeah, of course. You know, I, I love, I loved hearing the stories. I shared other people's experiences all through history. I loved that. I worked every waking hour, literally every waking hour. If we'd take time off to go to dinner with friends, I was up late that night, you know, really late that night. Uh, I was just uh, obsessed with it. Yes. (laughs) Um, But the the saving feature was that I loved it. Yeah. I loved hearing these stories, and I loved writing about it. No doubt. No doubt. Well, that leads me to another question here. If one of these drivers that you interviewed that we've lost— you could bring them back and sit down and share this book with them. Who would it be? Well, the first one would be Dan. Yeah. Because he was the first. Dan Gurney was, I mean, I have two great heroes, and I'm so lucky. The other book I wrote that was an award-winning book was American Grand Prix Racing, A Century of Drivers and Cars. And Phil Hill, my hero, my world champion, wrote the foreword for that. Hmm. And now, my other hero from California, Dan Gurney, neither one of them was born in California, but they were raised here and and raised from here. He wrote the foreword for Yanks at Le Mans. How much better does it get than that? Absolutely. Well, I'll remind our listeners, you can find links to these. And what's the best way for our listeners to get their hands on a copy of Rice Twice Around the Clock, The Yanks at Le Mans? Well, there are a couple of ways. The website is Yanks at Le Mans or Yanks at Le Mans dot com. <laughs> and then if you want it signed, there's a button that says contact. And that goes to a 
a certain email address to me directly. Okay. And that's the way I personalize them. I personally deface them is what I say. <laughs> that's one way. You can go on the, what do they call those website things? The, the place where you put buy, the things you're going to buy, whatever it's called. Okay. And you go there, shopping cart. Oh, the shopping cart. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. I think the button is to purchase or to buy or something. And then, uh, boom, uh, with PayPal or your credit card, you get a book uh, uh, that way. Um, if you're out of the United States, uh, Horton's Books. We uh, premiered it, uh, the book, at uh, Retromobile in Paris. Nice. And it was a, it was a great hit there. Absolutely. Um, and and then it, that was timing. I mean, I would have done it in the U.S. if I could. But that was timing. It's just when we finally got the darn books together. You know, <laughs> we had them. We didn't have the slipcase. Uh, those are the ways, really, to get it. Or in Los Angeles, there's a bookstore, Auto Books, that has it. Yep. And, uh, in fact, I'm going to do a signing there. When is it? I think it's this Saturday. And then we're going to do, and I realize this is long before this will air, so it's back when this was done. Yes. And then I I, I think I'm going to do a signing at Pebble Beach. I hope so. And there you are. I hope Those I, are the ways to get it. I hope I see you there. And I'll remind our listeners, I'll put all these links on Tim's show notes page on the Cars yeah website so you can get your hands on a copy of this absolutely spectacular historical monumental book. Absolutely brilliant. I'm so excited that you have it done. And uh, Tim, you know, you've taken us on an awesome ride. When I first had you on the show, it was so fun to talk with you. I'm so honored that I was able to meet you at Pebble Beach on the lawn when they had all those beautiful Oscars. I'd never seen so many in one place. I've really enjoyed learning about this. Congratulations. Huge congratulations on getting this done. This well, is absolutely spectacular. Very much. Uh, you know, the Oscar that won the class was mine. I know. Yeah, I had yeah it's absolutely cool. The one that I had as a kid. It was beautiful. <laughs> beautiful car. Absolutely fantastic. And uh, I'm wondering if you could offer our listeners one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you drive off down the Molsane Strait in that Porsche 917. <laughs> if you're going to be a writer... I, I do have advice. All right. Tape or recorder and just record your stories to your friends. Mm. And then go back and edit it later. Because if you're talking to somebody, you talk from the heart. It just comes out of you. And you tell it the way you want it to, these people to enjoy. If you write, if you just write, when you just write, you're very deliberate. You're much more deliberate. So you're self-editing before you write it. Record it, then go back and edit it. Great, great that would words. Be my advice. Great to, words uh, of writers. advice. Yeah, absolutely. Writers. And that's what we're doing here on Cars Yeah. So now we've got your story from the heart, Tim, which I'm very, very grateful for. Well, listeners, again, you can find links to everything Tim has shared and how to get your hands on this incredible three volume book, which I encourage you to add to your automotive library. It needs to be on your shelf on the Cars Yeah website. Hey, Tim, thanks for being so generous today with your time, your expertise, and for sharing your incredible life experiences with us. Wow, congratulations for finishing this project. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. All right. Thank you. You take care of your cars. 
but who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important, too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Chris Kimball, CFP, is just the man for the job. He'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy. For over 25 years, Chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified, and he's a car guy, too. Learn more at chrisvkimble.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.